Hello, this is Bill Lytell for some wisdom, a little bit of wisdom for your walk. I want to talk to you about some common sense advice about marriage and courting, or you may say dating. Uh, really primarily, this uh, is for young people. I mean, old folks probably already know this already. I have some authority to say something about this because I've been married 51 plus years, and I've been pastoring now and in the Bible for 46 years, and so add to that the counseling sessions I've had with marriages that I've learned by listening, both the husband and wife, and have that conflict, and the books that I've read about marriage, everything I get my hands on, and putting all that together, I can give you some good, sound, biblical advice, uh, common sense advice about marriage. First of all, don't marry anybody. It's not born again. I can't tell you the horror story. I could spend some time telling you horror stories of how women have found a man and fell in love with him and he knew he was unsaved and said, I'm going to get him saved. He's a nice man. He's a good man at heart. He's got a good soul. He's, he's a soulmate. And they get married. And obviously, they uh, through the years, they tried to persuade the man to trust Christ. The man did not trust Christ. I did not like him to go to church, sometimes forbid them to go to church, sometimes even beat them when they came home from church. I've, I've heard that. And just a horrible life. They come to my office and weep and sit in front of me and say, Preacher, I, I would have not married that unsaved man. Look, uh, what is my advice to them? Stay married, because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says, wherefore there are no, Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 19, verse 6, wherefore there are no more twain as two, but one flesh. Well, therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. I do not believe, after looking at the Bible carefully, that there's any out or exception clause once you get married to get a divorce without sin. Divorce is sin. God said he hates divorce in the Old Testament. And his, he, what he joined together, Jesus' words, by the way, which refreshed Deuteronomy chapter 24 and tightened it up to the standard of the New Testament church, which was one wife for life, one husband for life. And so that's what the Bible teaches. You can fight it. You can argue about it. You can go get books that contradict me. But you're still going to have someday stand for Jesus, the Holy Spirit who wrote the book. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 39 says, The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to marry whom she will, only in the Lord. Uh, when the unequally yoked section I told you about was 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 18, you can look later. Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. And if you go back to chapter 7 of Romans 1 through 3, it says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, the law of dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath a husband is bound to the law, to her husband so long as he liveth, but if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. Now listen to the next verse. So then if while her husband liveth she be married to another man, she should be called an adulteress. Get that. That's Bible. This is Bible of John 3.16. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law, so that there is no, she is no adulteress that would be married to another. Now, he's not. Obviously, there's no symbolism here. There's no dead to Christ or dead to the flesh. It's dead physically. Obvious by the context, that's what it's saying. And so, first of all, don't marry an unsaved person. Man, I couldn't say that enough. Just no matter how much you love them, 
no matter how much you're, they're, they're so sweet a person, if they're not truly born from above, and you know that, do not marry them. Husband, wife, wife, husband, either way, do not marry them. That's good, sound, biblical advice. Secondly, if you do marry, even unsaved people, you're, you're, you're one wife, one husband for life. That's the Bible teaching, until death do us part. And then the third thing I want to speak about is why are young Christian, young, young people, young Christian people specifically waiting so long to get married? It, 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 it surprises us older people. If you go to Gospel Baptist Church and I start asking these old people who've been married 50, 60, even 70 years when they got married, they'll tell you. I was 18, I was 17, I was fi even 15, I was uh, 20 years old, 21 years old. Most of them, most of my long marriages in our church were married young. What has happened? Well, first of all, I believe failure that people see, young people see all around them. Six out of ten marriages failing in the world, and maybe close to that even among Christians, which is a shame to us. So there's a failure all around us. Secondly, that generates fear in them, a fear that they're going to be married to the wrong guy and get divorced and have the horror of that. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. In 1 John it says, Love casteth out fear. Thirdly, it's finding the mate that meets the, everything you want in a mate. I think personally, here's where my dad had tremendous advice. My dad used to tell me as a young man, he says, Son, if you find a woman who you like 80% of her, the 20% you don't like, maybe the way she looks, some of the way she looks, or maybe the color of her hair, maybe the, some of her habits, but you you got a born-again woman who uh, you like 80%. He said, if it's 80%, you like, marry her. Go ahead and marry her. Don't worry about that 20%. And I, I've turned out to be good advice because I don't think anybody's been married as long as I have that is 100% satisfied with their wife or their husband. Either way, that's just real life. The fourth thing I notice is the all about me syndrome. Selfishness and marriage just do not go together. Selfishness, all about me. We're here and all follow your dreams. Don't follow your dreams. Follow God's dreams for you. And then the fifth thing I notice is women resisting God's plan for them. I mean, I say this. I don't apologize for it. Men are the head of the house. Adam was created before Eve. He was given authority of the world over all the animals and everything. And women were made, and when the woman was made, to be a helpmate to him. She was told to submit to him. It says that clearly in the Bible. There's no argument about that. And so that was God's plan. It's, and it's obvious if you know anything about leadership that there's only one captain to a ship, and there only can be one captain to a ship. And there are no 50-50 marriages. Now, a husband is gracious and sweet to her wife, his wife and gives her some authority and allows her to do a lot of things. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, the buck stops with him. Major life-changing decisions rest on his shoulders. And so you have these young women who really do not want to submit to a man. I've asked them, do you want to submit to this guy when they come in for marriage counseling? And they'll look at me like, submit to him? That's Bible, brother. You want to submit to him. Secondly, you should not only submit to him, but make him a success. Make him a success. Help him in every way. What needs he has, try to meet. Uh, men have a heavy sexual drive. And I'll be honest with you, ladies, that's the responsibility of the woman to help meet the man's sexual drive. I had a couple in my office, and born-again couple, and 
They've been married for a while, and she, the woman came in and says, I am just really beginning to become bitter towards my husband. I mean, he wants to have sexual relations every day, and that's just too much. And I agreed. It was excessive. I said, that is excessive. The average national, uh, the national average, I should say, for that is about three times a week. And maybe people have one time a week, maybe two, maybe more. But every day. And, and, you know, I, I had sympathy for her, but I told her, how long, does it, of your, how long of your day does it take to satisfy your husband and make him happy in that area? She said about 15 minutes. I said, okay, you've got 23 hours and 45 minutes of the rest of the day. Once you make him happy for 15 minutes, you've got 23 hours and 45 minutes of the day are yours that he's willing to die for you. He's willing to go out and work for you. He's willing to protect you, be a good husband, be a good father to the kids have harmony with you, my, oh my, 15 minutes is not a high price to pay for that. She got it. Light turned on, went home, began to practice that. And for years they've told people that Pastor Lytell saved their marriage. I, I don't think I could save it, but they, the fact is she listened to some common sense. And, and then the really the ultimate call for ladies in a marriage is to have children disciple them in Christ. The the The... the it's been said, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. First uh, Timothy chapter 5, verse 14 says, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some have already turned aside after Satan. If you, if you as a young lady try to follow the, the stars of Hollywood, you're going to end up being horribly d disappointed in life, and even as they are, often suicidal. But if you'll follow God's plan, even though it may rub you the wrong way sometimes, you're going to find at the end of the whole thing it's a beautiful, beautiful plan, and it's wonderful, and it's God's way of doing things. May the Lord help you, guide you, direct you, a little wisdom for your walk.